Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, Horizon. They are celebrating their fourth anniversary. You can now insure your cryptocurrency on exchanges, and we have headlines. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, June 3rd, 2021. Sometimes it's just autopilot doing my show. Like literally, like I come in, I say the same thing in the beginning. I say the same thing when it comes to the date. I don't even think about it sometimes. Just now I realize that I was halfway through the date before I go, oh, I'm actually doing this. I actually press play. I got an email like literally two hours ago about something I said on the show yesterday when I was talking about CO2 versus energy consumption. And this is one of those topics that no matter what I say on the show about this topic, I'm going to get emails from people and no matter what side you're on, no matter what your thought is. And I just want to clarify something because I thought I covered it yesterday on the show. I know I kind of glazed over it, but I want to just make sure I, I clarify it again. My point is when I'm talking about CO2 footprint versus energy consumption, I think that that is an unfair comparison because we're making unfair narratives about Bitcoin. And those narratives are not addressing the problem that we are actually trying to refer to. And the problem we're trying to refer to is global warming and CO2 footprint and the CO2 output that something is using. And so by saying that Bitcoin uses as much energy as Sweden doesn't address the problem or even have the conversation that we're trying to have. Again, that's why I use the gaming consumption, energy consumption yesterday, is that the gaming industry, the whole gaming industry, PCs and home consoles, use as much energy as Bitcoin mining. But even saying that comparison doesn't downplay the energy consumption of Bitcoin or upplay or downplay the energy consumption of the gaming industry. What we're doing is making weird comparisons about how much energy something's using instead of addressing how much CO2 is being produced by the thing that is using it. So my stance is, is that we're always going to need to use more energy because we are a growing society, growing species. There are countries that don't even use a fraction of the energy that the United States use, and they're going to want to use that energy so they can have the creature comforts that we all have. For example, those gaming computers air conditioning, and so on and so forth. And so that's my comparison. I'm saying let's start talking about the CO2 footprint instead of saying how much energy is being consumed because that's a narrative that doesn't have any weight into what we're actually trying to do, and that's reduce CO2 or carbon emissions. So the person that sent me the email said, hey, what about solar and the land that it takes up? And what about rare earth mining? And what about batteries? And what about, I get that. I get that. I totally understand that. But let's just talk about the first elephant in the room. There are many elephants to tech. There's many elephants to what we're trying to produce. We can go slippery slope all day about how we produce just about anything that we use. But I'm just talking about carbon footprint. And we have to just get more focused on our focus and our talking points so we can actually have the conversation, have reference points of what we're talking about when we're talking about Bitcoin's energy consumption. Because just throwing out something like, well, Bitcoin uses as much energy as Sweden is absolutely arbitrary, but it freaks people out because they're like, Bitcoin uses as much energy as a country? That's insane. But is it really? Considering that gaming computers use as much energy as Sweden too? But then again, that's not even addressing what we're talking about. So 
Yes, I know there's a slippery slope. Yes, I understand about rare earth mining. Yes, I understand about the amount of space that it's going to take for solar panels. Yes, I understand about birds and windmills. <laughs> but I'm not going to slippery slope this conversation down to a point, to an infinitesimal point where I'm paralyzed to even have the conversation because then I'm just going to put my hands up and say, well, looks like I'm not moving. It's kind of like the Buddhist way to think about things. It's like, you ever hear those Buddhist monks that don't even want to walk because they don't want to kill, kill things that are under their feet that are because they're walking through grass and kill a bug? It's like, that's the kind of like slippery slope thing that you can really get down into with any of these products. It's like, I just won't move anymore. I won't breathe. It's, something's happening. Anyway, let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 11.10 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $38,692, up 1.9% in 24. While Ethereum's in the number two spot at $2,810, up 1%. Binance Coin, $417, up 1.1%. And Tether's in the number four spot. And Cardano's at 183 up 2.2%. Rounding off the top 10, we have Dogecoin, XRP, Polkadot, USDC, and Uniswap. Total market cap, we're at $1.73 trillion and a BTC dominance of 41.6%. In our first conversation today, we're going to talk to Dr. Rob Viglioni, the founder of Horizon. And he's going to talk about his fourth anniversary for his project, Horizon, and the future of Zen. Thanks for having me again, Matthew. Always, always. I think the first time we met was around four years ago, just a little bit after uh, Horizon's launch. I, we must have been speaking for the last four years. And why is that important today is because this is your fourth year anniversary. I need to yes. be caught up, man. How, how did it all start? Where, where did it go? And how did we get to this point now? Well, it started almost by mistake. I mean, just kind of a, a little bit of an experiment in the crypto space in 2017 as Zencash when we launched. And as we got going and community started rolling, really, honestly, that was really the turning point for me was, okay, there, there's some real teeth to this project. There's something going on here. We, we're getting this you know, diehard community forming around the world. Let's roll. Uh, so what we did from there, we started planning a bigger future, more than just kind of contributing to the Bitcoin space and you know, the scaling and the economics and the privacy side. We wanted to actually kick off a big project thinking, what will this industry look like in 10 and 20 years? And how can we build that infrastructure to really you know, participate in a, in a big way? Where were you at on your PhD four years ago? I had uh, finished my comps and I was doing my, my dissertation work at the time. So that's always like the, the riskiest part of a PhD program to uh, start doing some other things. You feel like you have some time on your hands and no, you actually don't. And uh, you know, Horizon turned into a much bigger thing. So it actually took me seven years to complete my PhD because I was juggling the, the crypto stuff on the side. That's actually not a, not a bad time frame, honestly. Seven years, I've, I've, we've all heard of much longer time frames than that. True, true, it happens. I'm just happy to complete. So that, that was a, kind of a, a big personal and intellectual whirlwind for me, but now I'm, I'm happy to be done. So, doctor, let me ask you about some checkpoints that you had across the last four years. I remember the re the rebrand of Horizon or Zencash to Horizon and Zen and Zen Token. Um, tell me about some other checkpoints that you had. Some, like I guess, monumental moments. Yeah, the good and the bad, right? I mean, the fact that we survived four years in crypto is kind of huge in itself. Uh, but the the whole point of the rebrand was a, a big milestone for us because that was us signaling they were more than just a cryptocurrency. And Zen Cash prior made sense. Cash, cryptocurrency, th that works. Now, as we're building out a programmable blockchain ecosystem, it doesn't work so well, right? We still have Zen, the cryptocurrency that's the gas of the ecosystem. But now we're all about programmable blockchains and scalability. And now these really interesting data structures, you know, called SNARKs, that we extended to do a whole bunch of really interesting things to solve 
real world problems with blockchain technology. So what are we looking at today? Look, I, I have to put this in here for everybody. And I, everybody that listens to this show should know that I dabble with cryptocurrency quite, quite a bit. Um, I did dabble with uh, Zen and I sold what I thought was the top at $10. You guys are trading at well over $100 today. How does it feel to go from, I guess, a new project to, uh, you know, a monstrous market cap? Humbling. Uh, but it still feels like the start because the reality is, so you, you talk milestones, our biggest milestone is still three months away. So actually we're delivering that huge interoperability protocol that really kicks off what we're going to be over the next you know, many years. And that, that protocol is called Zendu. And it is like you know, the most decentralized, scalable, snark enabled, whole bunch of buzzwords, uh, programmable blockchain system, right? So Prior to, to this release, we really were cryptocurrency with big dreams and aspirations. Now in three months, and the code's all done, going through third-party audit and integration testing and so forth, that's our big debut. So even though we've been around for four years, we haven't even really come out yet. We're coming out really as a major project to be reckoned with in about three months, and hence the big price run up. So basically, when you sold at $10, that was really us in the, the cryptocurrency world of we are a privacy coin. Now, us at over $100 is really the market starting to wake up to the fact that we're going to be challenging Polkadot, Cosmos, Ethereum, and these other programmable blockchains. In particular, just one example, our sidechains, and we can have like a thousand of them that operate at once, are all like mini versions of Cardano. So you look at the market cap of Cardano, look at the market cap of us, that's like a 65x growth just to catch up. And those are just kind of, we can have a thousand versions of them running simultaneously obviously this i want all the listeners to know that this is not financial advice we're not sponsored or we're not hyping up um horizon or zen or anything like that or the token we're just talking about the four-year anniversary and things that are coming up what do you plan to be coming up and how do you plan the horizon is going to be used in the future yeah so a bunch of big ways probably the, the best way to showcase it is with our biggest project right now on the product side and this is using zendu as a product is a, a decentralized audit blockchain for celsius Right, so Celsius, the, this big like market-leading peer-to-peer lender in the industry, they're, they're a CFI app. We actually do DeFi audit of their reserves. So it's a really cool application, Snarks, uh, Horizon Sidechain, all operating so you can near real-time audit Celsius's reserves that they actually control so you don't just have to believe the company. That's just one example. There's a whole bunch of others from there. We're going to kick off, really debut with a, you know, a whole bunch of huge use cases uh, you know, some of them really aligning on the enterprise side. So you're going to see some very interesting big businesses using Horizon in the near future. So, so you're also an Oracle as well, huh? I, I mean, we ingest Oracle data, but really for us, you can view us as like mini versions of Cardano running with ZK Snarks. Now, and again, not, not to say that we're, you know, a thousand times better than Cardano, not at all. We're actually, we use the same R&D team. We're just different, but we, we leverage that tech stack because they're really good. You know, when you're saying that comparing yourself to Cardano or uh, in other protocols that are in the crypto space, how do you, and this is a weird question maybe, but how do you make these di- differentiations? Because here's the thing is like, there are a lot of protocols in the space right now vying for kind of like the same thing. And we see growth in the space, but we don't see the mass adoption where you have billions of people and you know all everybody's gonna be using cardano or horizon or whatever where, where do you see those differentiating factors coming in and how do you kind of quantify them to the average um, investor or the average blockchain advocate yeah so we're a big infrastructure play we're, we're not really part of that whole one blockchain to rule the world kind of thing like we're i don't even view us as really competing in the crypto space we're actually providing blockchain infrastructure that leverages the technology from cardano uh, Mina actually used recursive snarks, you know, Zcash in a way because we learned, you know, snarks from the Zcash stack. 
right? It, and then uh, scaling out really is infrastructure for businesses and then for application developers. But really the, the difference is you own your own blockchain with us. So we have an SDK, you launch your own chain, we run the infrastructure in the background. So it's kind of like, we're like an AWS for blockchain, but we're up there, we're running best in class privacy tools, everything that we think you know, the future of blockchain needs to bridge that gap. The answer is your, your exact question of why don't we see billions of people using blockchain? It's not geared for that, right? So we're, we're trying to bridge that gap with privacy technology, scaling technology, everything geared for business users or people that want to use these systems at scale. I guess the last question I have for you, and this is, again, me going down my own little mental rabbit hole here, is like if somebody's based in the U.S. and the U.S. has certain regulations, and I don't know if this is a question that you can answer, but certain regulations for the company that they uh, set up, it could be like a security, they have to register with the SEC, it could be just a normal S-corp or LLC or what, what have you, they might want to use uh, blockchain technology to incorporate into their business. Does this also have to be American-centric or comply with certain rules for them to use just that technology? Or is this like a global thing where it doesn't really matter you just kind of like buy a laptop and fly around the world with it no we're all global so the, the really cool thing about our tech is you, you use our sdk you launch your own layer one it's interoperable with the rest of the world with our with our global system so an, a great example of this is we're actually now talking to a partner to integrate into the bsn so the blockchain network in china they're approved regulatory friendly blockchain infrastructure you're going to see a horizon sidechain integrated in there so it, and at the same time, we have permissionless sidechains that are part of a, a crypto network that anyone in the world can use from America to Europe, anywhere else. So we're, we're really, our tech straddles the public private blockchain world in, in an elegant way. Years 2025, four more years go by. Where are you right now? Uh, we're everywhere. So we, we are the backbone for all of your favorite applications running for all of your favorite you know, companies. And you don't even know it. You're going to see maybe a little Powered by Horizon logo on the bottom of a website or an application. And that's it. We're not really going for that sexy solution where we want, again, like that blockchain to rule the world kind of thing. We're, we're infrastructure. We want to be global. We want to be everywhere. That's how we designed our system. Rob, always a pleasure. Congratulations on four years. Congratulations on the over a billion dollar market cap. And looking forward to seeing that little logo at the bottom of websites in the future. Matthew, thank you. I want to clarify, these glasses are not because the four years have hurt my eyesight. They're, they're actually uh, blue light protecting glasses. Um, that's your way of saying I'm getting old. Is it that? <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it's okay, I mean, man. We all are. Hairs, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. In our next conversation today, we're talking to Moran Hajiz, the founder of Unslashed, who's going to offer you insurance for your cryptocurrency on Coinbase and other exchanges. That's pretty cool. How does this work? We're going to find out right now. I'm doing great. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> Excellent, man. It's great to have you here 100%. Look, you're doing something that is, I think, the one of the holy grails of confidence in the cryptocurrency space. And that's why you're here. And that's insurance, insuring your crypto or your crypto assets. Tell me, what are you trying to do? What we are doing is basically we are building an insurance protocol. So it's part of this DeFi movement. And the idea for us is to take all the different risks that uh, people have exposure to uh, while holding uh, crypto assets and provide insurance products that can protect them. Excellent. So, so what, are, what are those risks? Yeah, it's like the, there are various risks. And actually, we are looking at a lot of them and trying to find solutions to model them and price them. Uh, well, this, is, this is basically our, uh, our core offering. So it can go from centralized exchanges hacks, like if we are, we are talking about Coinbase, Binance, Bitfinex, BitMEX, all of these exchanges have a risk 
risk of being hacked and people would lose money. It can also be uh, assets that are held on smart contracts. So whenever someone is using DeFi, they're depositing their funds on smart contracts. This also can be subject to hacks or the money can be stuck like because the smart contract was not coded the right, uh, the right way. Uh, it can be also stable coin techs. So uh, whenever USDT, uh, USDC has an issue, it can be a regulatory issue or it can, it can be like an actual technical issue, uh, the peg can be lost. And one USDT can end up not being equal to one USD or one USDC not equal to one USD. And this is the kind of risk that we are covering through different types of insurance products and different types of policies. That's that's amazing. Okay, so that would bring a lot of confidence to the space. How much would this cost? How much would this cost the the, the average hodler? Well, actually, it depends on the risk. Like th- the same way when you're insuring your house, you're going to have different types of costs different uh, based on different types of parameters. Same for car insurance. It really depends on... Uh, on the risk itself. In our case, we have developed a different, like a new type of pricing model that allows to start with premiums that are pretty low. So it's going to be starting from 0.3%, 0.2%, 0.5% of the amounts that are to be covered per year. And it can go up if there is a lot of demand for uh, for that kind of product. So okay. we prefer to have this approach. So uh, so if I'm hearing you uh, correctly, it's like having a sports car or a minivan. If you have a minivan, more than likely your insurance is going to be a little lower than if you have a sports car. Um, and that's just because it's different risks. And that's going to be a percentage of your crypto hodlings, right? So if you have $100,000 worth of crypto, it's going to be a, a 0.05 of that $100,000. And that, is that would that be something like monthly or annually? You can actually, you can start and stop the policy whenever you want. So you don't have uh, any limitation at that level, but the prices are annualized. So when you see uh, 0.5% or 0.2%, it's per uh, per year. Gotcha. However, you can start and stop whenever you want because you can have at some point uh, funds deposited on Coinbase and then you can withdraw them. When you withdraw them, you don't need the insurance anymore. So how do you how does somebody sign up for something like this? Do you have to work with Coinbase? Do you have to have a partnership with Coinbase? Or can I just get insurance on my assets on Coinbase? You can get insurance on your assets on Coinbase. You can actually use the Coinbase API to connect your uh, account to our platform. And this allows us basically to have a real-time view of your holdings. So we know how much you have. And in case there is an issue on Coinbase, we know exactly uh, how much was there, how much was lost, and we can pay you out. So what are you covering? You're like, okay, hacks. That's great. What? And I'm asking that because let's just say if this was healthcare, you'll be talking, say, pre-existing conditions. Now, when it comes to something like Coinbase, let's just use Coinbase, for example, and I'm an unsafe person. I, I don't have really good um, online hygiene. You know, maybe I don't use 2FA. Maybe my password is I love my mommy um, or 123456. And it's very easy to hack into me. Do you put, take that into consideration as well? Like the, it, it's it's really like it's really difficult to apply uh, this kind of this kind of same reasoning uh, when talking about these kinds of insurance products. Like the main risk that you have as a user is basically the risk of Coinbase itself, not your personal risk 
uh, with like that is linked to your password, to FA, etc. The failure that can happen and that is most likely to happen is on the exchange side. Like if we take historically all the hacks of exchange that happened, uh, it was all the time the big hacks were happening because the exchange was the one having security flows. It's really difficult to talk about pre-existing conditions. We can talk about pre-existing conditions on the exchange side. Like Coinbase is a rather secure uh, exchange, so the premium or the price for it is going to be low. If we take other exchanges, uh, and I'm not going to give names uh, here, uh, that are less secure, uh, we are talking about something that, uh, that is going to necessarily have a higher price or a higher insurance cost. right but but sim swaps do happen and i you know I, I i might not have a very um you know i might not have good you know um security security measures personally per or like good uh, perk sec or or a good or a personal opsec you know i can just you know one reuse my passwords get sim swaps and, and you know some people just do not have the knowledge to do that do you still cover their crypto that's what i'm asking that, that that's something we definitely cover that the 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 case for sweet sim swap is that the user would need to prove that that sim swap happened so that's that's the real difficulty there uh wh whenever we are dealing with events that are happening uh off chain or that cannot be proven automatically uh the process becomes kind of harder and longer how can we have assurance that your insurance will stay solvent? It, for example, Coinbase just went public. You know, it's a monster billions and billions of dollar company. There yes. is no way if they have actually have a proper hack that your company is going to be able to co cover it. How do you ensure or assure that your insurance is going to pay off? Ba basically, we, we at some point, whenever we have uh too many people buying insurance for a particular product and we know that we cannot take more, we just stop selling insurance. That's how we do. Like we depend on the amount of money that we have in our smart contracts that allow us to provide insurance to the users. When we don't have enough money, what happens is that it just stops. Like we cannot have overexposure and not be able to pay out when the users uh, need the money. So yes, we cannot cover like Coinbase. I think that they have something like a hundred billion dollars deposited worth of assets deposits, which is a lot, like which is really a lot. So a hundred billion dollars there is not something that we can cover in full because we are, I mean, we don't have a hundred billion dollars <laughs> deposited in our smart contract. However, uh, we take insurance, like we have an insurance capacity that allows us to cover up to 50, 100 million, not billion, 100 million dollars. And this is what we can really cover. So whenever we hit that limit, we cannot sell insurance anymore. So it's more like a first come, first served uh, logic right now. And as we grow, we are going to have more insurance capacity and we are going to be able to cover larger amounts. But when we don't have the assets or the money to cover these risks, we stop selling insurance and we put it as sold out. That's it. It's pretty simple. And that makes a lot of sense. How many clients do you have now? And can people get this insurance? It's going to go live. Uh, for, for the Coinbase, the BitMEX and the Binance insurance products, they are going to go live uh, later today. So basically, it's kind of an exclusive that you guys are having here. Uh, the, the other insurance products that we have, 
actually are more B2B oriented. So we sold 80 million worth of $80, million worth of insurance for Lido, which is a staked ETH or liquid staking uh, for ETH2 product. We sold $20 million uh, worth of insurance for Kyber, which is uh, a DEX uh, built on Ethereum. So we have a lot of B2B deals and we are opening this whole institutional and retail access for centralized exchanges today. Baran Aji, founder of Unslashed Insurance Agency for your cryptocurrency. Thanks for coming on and talking about crypto insurance. Thank you, Matthew. Great being here. Moving into today's headlines. Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre told reporters yesterday in a press briefing aboard Air France One that combating ransomware is a priority for the administration, and they're referring to the Biden administration. Moreover, one of the ways it plans on addressing this problem is through cryptocurrency tracking, as the overwhelming majority of ransomware attackers demand Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies as payment. Long story short, regulations are coming, regulations are coming. More than likely, everybody who transacts cryptocurrency in the United States is probably going to have to have their KYC AML verified and their on-ramp and off-ramp also verified and regulated by the U.S. government in some form. NFL player Russell Okung of the Carolina Panthers, you know, the 11-year veteran of the NFL, has a Super Bowl win, two Pro Bowl selections. Well, he's got beef with Elon, and he's launched a billboard campaign saying, Elon, stay in your lane. Here's what his billboard says, actually, in quote, which I think is absolutely hilarious. It says, stake the space, Elon. To learn more about Bitcoin, visit www.bitcoins.com. And Russell's starting beef with Elon because Elon started beef with Bitcoin. Elon, you're making enemies. Why don't you worry about those panel gaps on your Model Y? And then come back and talk about other things. Like, focus, Elon. Elon, focus. Focus on the panel gaps, and you'll be okay. And finally... Google and Facebook, they've dominated the online ad marketplace for better than a decade. Both sides banned crypto ads in 2018, though some of those restrictions have been lifted. Businesses can now put ads for crypto exchanges on Google in the United States and Japan, as long as the products and ads comply with local laws and industry standards, and the account is certified by Google. Now the tech giant is now elaborating for those criteria for those certifications. To get an ad for a crypto exchange or a wallet on Google, the company needs to be registered with FinCEN as a money service business and with at least one state as a money transmitter, or registered solely with the federal or state chartered bank entity. Google also explicitly banned ads for DeFi protocols and ICOs, as well as DeFi-related services like crypto loans, token liquidity pools, unregulated dApps, and unhosted wallets. Crypto exchanges certified with Google under the current rules will have to reapply for certification in July. The new rules will go into effect August third. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to DeemerForCongress.com. I take cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, and a lot of stable coins. Bitcoin advocates in Washington is important. Regulations are coming. Make sure that we know how to vote on them. Also, tomorrow is listener questions. Send me an email, MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.